are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. We call some of those folks sommeliers, wine aficionados, wine experts, wine gurus, and the most commonly used title, boring. Welcome to Grape Encounters. We love wine just as much as anyone else, but while we crave those special wines that are silky smooth and go down so easy, we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. There is one overriding premise here at Grape Encounters. Wine pairs best with life. Accordingly, your host David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time, how to have more fun with your wine, where to enjoy wine the most, how to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. It's time for your weekly grape encounter, and we're glad to be back live with you. We did some best ofs last week. Glad to be back, but I got to tell you a little bit about my lifestyle because what I do is when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I I do is I take a look at my cell phone and I scour through as many wine trade publications and consumer publications as I possibly can and just kind of see what's going on for the day and for the week and for the month. But today, especially like no other day, I pulled up all of these publications and I would say two out of three stories in every single publication was about wine tariffs. I mean, it was amazing. And if you don't believe me, just Google wine tariffs for today and see how many people wrote major, major stories about it. So a lot of my listeners and friends have said, you know, David, you really haven't talked about this much. We have had some discussion about it. In fact, we have had on personnel from the Wine Institute not too terribly long ago. It might have been six months ago talking about it. But boy, things are really heating up. And so I always turn to the Wine Institute because they're one of the most powerful organizations in the wine world. They're an advocacy group for California wine, but do a lot for wine all over the world. The communications director is Gladys Horiuchi, no stranger to our show. Hi, Gladys. Hey, how you doing, David? I hate recording, you know, over the... I'm sitting here staring at you and you're staring at me, but it always has a really odd sound. Like somebody's in a box. <laughs> Echo chamber or something. Something well, like that. I can hear you just fine. Okay, well, listen, glad to have you on. And I'm guessing that your office is all ablaze with a lot of discussion and questions and information dissemination about the tariffs. Can you just kind of... I don't want to take a political position here. I just want to explain to our listeners and you know, even people who are in the industry that listen to the show, what's going on and can you give it to us in a nutshell? Well, basically, the EU tariffs are on a number of different products and wine happens to be one of them. And Wine Institute has always taken the position that we don't want wine pulled into trade disputes that don't involve wine. You know, it's an aircraft subsidy dispute last October and now it's a digital services tax and we have always supported a fair and open reciprocal trade 
of wine around the world. Well, let me ask you about that. Do you think that from your perspective, what we impose upon buyers in other countries where California wine or American wine is concerned, do you feel it's about equal to what they ask of us? You know, everybody you could can argue this and that. There's a number of different things that go into it. But the point is, is we propose a, a tariff on European wine. They will do retaliatory tariffs. So wine becomes expensive for everybody. Yeah, so, exactly. It, yeah. And so we're already trying to compete not only with other wine competitors. We're competing against bottled water and coffee and soda. And so we're just trying to, you know, get people to enjoy more wine and not make it more expensive. So, so put it in perspective, because... There's already about a 25% tariff out there, but what's eminent, unless a miracle comes along, is the tariff's going to jump to, what, 100%? That's a proposed tariff. We don't know what will happen. And then I I noticed that your organization, and I've seen some major authors, major sommeliers, I've gotten bulletins and emails and urgent notes and messages from wine associations all over the country, everybody's saying you got to write in and you got to ask, plead for them to not do this. And well, it's not just the price of the wine. I mean, if, if we have these retaliatory tariffs take effect, I mean, it could cause a loss of jobs, American jobs, and, you know, some solid middle class jobs, people in the whole distribution chain from, from warehouse people, to salespeople, to accountants, to hospitality people. I mean, they're estimating 17,000 jobs would be lost because this takes effect. It's not just the price of wine, it's jobs. And I was reading some really interesting stuff because, again, like I said at the beginning, I never take a a strong political position on anything unless I'm an absolute expert. And you're much more glad of an expert on this than I am. But some of the interesting comments that I read were the fact that First of all, if you can't import as many wines into the country or it costs more for the importer to do that, then they're going to end up saying no to a lot of, let's say, French winemakers who want to bring wine here. And then that, in turn, hurts our distributors and our importers And that, in turn, trickles down to the consumer, but also all of the people, as you mentioned, that work in the industry, which, you know, whether it be trucking or, you know, warehousing or they own um, independent shops. Oh, gosh. Well, restaurants. Yeah. Can you mean, I mean, restaurant markups are already ridiculous for wine. And I always am groaning about that. But very often you'll see a a wine that costs maybe $12 at a restaurant for $40. Now imagine that wine being $80. And it's not just the imports coming in here. It's like California exports 20% of its entire wine production. So Is that right? Yeah. And, and, you know, a good half of it's going to the European Union. So that's a fair chunk of business. Okay. But what happens to that wine? Is it 100% tariff going the other direction as well? Or do you think that's what it'll end up being? We don't know what will happen. We know that they have said that they will retaliate. So we certainly don't want to get in a trade dispute for something that doesn't even involve wine. And I think our uh, wine producers across the globe want to have fair trade amongst each other. And they don't want to be pulled into these various disputes that don't involve wine. So I think the industries are fairly supportive of each other. I mean, we share winemaking practices. I think people like California wine across the globe. I mean, they... They like California. They like visiting California. They know we have high quality. There's a lot of diverse wines that are made here, and and we're known for sustainability, sustainable wine growing. 
So people like California and they like visiting here. And so it's just has nothing to do with the wines and the quality of them. So obviously, and certainly our vintners, you know, are, you know, despite these tariffs, they're going to go full steam ahead to try to promote our wines and maintain the efforts they've had to, to sell wine abroad because they've put decades of investments into building those markets. I'm going to talk to you about that more in just a minute, but I'm very curious if you know whether there's a run on import wines right now. Are importers bringing in those wines as quick as they can? Are distributors ordering up wine? As I, I had heard that in at least one source, but it would seem to me that there would be a, a much greater stampede to the local wine store for wines that um, inevitably are going to double in price if this happens. I'm going to go there. <laughs> I've only heard some anecdotal things, but let's face it, in the U.S., about three out of every five bottles sold in this country is from California. So I think most of the wine that is sold, of course, is California. I think people like drinking their, their local product. But certainly, you know, people have an, it's a global wine industry, and they like trying, wine drinkers by nature like to try different things. And so, obviously, trying wines from different countries is part of that. Uh, interest. Okay. Well, we're talking to Gladys Horiuchi. She is the communications director for the Wine Institute. And we're going to be talking also to Nancy Light, who's VP of the Wine Institute, in just a few minutes about some lighter things, I think, Gladys. But I got a few more questions <laughs> for you. So will you stay with me for just a sec? Sure. All right. And uh, by the way, Grape Encounters is brought to you today by Total Wine and More. What a great way to start the new year with some great wines for the cold season here for the next few months. You got to check out the seasonal selections at Total Wine and More because just like we change our wardrobe throughout the year, we change our taste in wines throughout the year and sometimes don't really realize that there's a lot to love about Total Wine and More. Check them out, totalwine.com. Hey, have I got some super cool news I want to share with you. I want to invite you to join me and Total Wine and More for Tour de Bordeaux. It's a unique wine experience taking place in Washington, D.C. on January 21st at the Fairmont Hotel, where you can mix and mingle with over 80 producers as you enjoy over 100 wines. They're bringing the best producers from all around the world to share their products and winemaking stories with you. You'll also have special access to the unveiling of the new 2017 Bordeaux Vintage. Join me and Total Wine and More on January 21st in Washington, D.C. A limited number of tickets are available for this unique event, so visit TotalWine.com forward slash Tour de Bordeaux for yours today. We like to talk about wine. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. 
And we're back with Grave Encounters Radio and glad to have on with me Gladys Hariuchi. She's the person that we always, usually we go to you, Gladys, for bad news. Thanks a lot. I I, I think about some of the things that we've talked about. Like, in particular, I I remember back to the story about arsenic and wine. I mean, you know, it was they said arsenic and wine that it was coming in through the water and stuff. But that was boy, that was that was a mess. Like everyone, everyone likes to to use wine as the poster child because it's more interesting than say you know other products, fruits and vegetables. But let's face it, it's everywhere. And but they always like to use wine as because. It's just sort of more interesting, I guess. I, everybody loves it. And by the way, I didn't fully introduce you, Gladys Horiuchi, the communications director at the Wine Institute, which I mean, really and truly has to really be the most prestigious wine organization that advocates for the winemakers. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of regional organizations and, and whatnot, but the amazing work that the Wine Institute does to ensure that you get great affordable and healthy wine. It's just staggering. I don't like to use the word staggering with wine, Gladys, but oh well. Well, thank you. Um, but that, so, is, that is true. I mean, you've got to be really proud to work for that business. It's an interesting business and I never know what's going to happen each day because it's always changing. It's always about the news and there's always some new policy issues. So I, I, I find it, you know, very challenging and interesting at the same time. So I've been here a long time. I've been here almost 24 years. Oh, and good that's grief. That's part of the reason why. And and really the all the biggies uh, I can't know if, I can't know if it's all the biggies but most of the biggest names in the wine industry support the wine institute and make your work possible and and there are there are people let's say ambassadors to the wine institute all over the world right in, in all kinds of different cities well as far as like our wine institute staff we do have fifteen international trade representatives in in um, you know a number of countries around the world to help our vendors export so. Um, um, and then, of course, the vintners travel to all the major trade shows. And um, we have about 170 wineries involved in our export program. So that's just one part of the Wine Institute as far as the you know international export market. But we do sustainable wine growing here. We have a program here for that to help our vintners learn about these practices and adopt more of them. And, of course, we have our public policy and advocacy team in Washington, D.C. and Sacramento and all the regional offices across the country. So there's a lot of interesting things, Every, everything that involves growing wine from the ground to the glass. Yeah, and anybody that's in alcohol-related industry, it's so highly regulated. So, I mean, there's new legislation literally every day on the table. On that topic, to speak to me for a second about something unrelated that's getting a great deal of attention as well. I think it's probably the second most popular story that I've been reading in the trades, and it is the future potential elimination of the three-tier system. No way. No way. I mean, <laughs> no way. Well, I hear that story. Like, I, I read it every day that, you know, everybody wants to get rid of, wants to get rid of the system. Well, I mean, there is the direct to consumer shipping that people do. Yeah. So that when they, we have like 24 million visitors to wine regions every year to California wine regions, and they want to be able to ship wine back home. So we've gone state to cha- state to change those regulations so they could ship directly to their home. But we need people and 
trucks to deliver wine to supermarkets and restaurants across the country. I think so, too. And, and for me, I don't think the problem is the three-tier system. And, and let me explain to listeners what that basically means. There are three parties involved uh, before you get your bottle of wine, usually, okay? And that is going to be the producer, it is going to be the distributor, and then it's going to be the retailer. But you can add a fourth one on there if the wine is coming from another part of the world because there will be the importer as well. So potentially, just so, I mean, not just potentially, in reality, each of those people are stepping on the price of the wine. So the bottle goes up in price. But, which I think uh, Gladys is about to jump in and say, is that a lot of these wines would never get into circulation were it not for the middleman. Well, that's right. I mean, 95% of the wine in this country goes through the three-tiered system through the distributor. And the other 5% is this direct-to-consumer. And we just wanted to, I mean, not all the wines that they read about, consumers read about in the wine review publications and elsewhere and online. And when they visit, uh, not all of those wines are there because there's a lot of small family wineries that can't distribute nationally. So these people find these wines and they want access to them. But I think everyone realizes that this only increases the interest and enjoyment of wine when you have this sort of variety. So we wanted to make wine accessible for everyone. But most of the wine is still going to move through our partners, the, the wholesalers. And I do want to say when I made the comment about everybody stepping on the price. I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. I meant it in the same way that if you're building a house, you start with the foundation and then the neck or the grading, then the foundation and then the framing and so on. And every one of those contractors steps on it. You know, the, the drywall guy, they all have their purpose. And it's why wine moves so well around uh, the world, really. Although, frankly, I would like to see more wines coming from other countries just because I enjoy the variety. But Gladys, why wouldn't people say, now, wait a second, if they can't bring foreign wines into our country very easily, wouldn't that create greater opportunity for our local winemakers? Why is that something that I don't hear from people who are against the tariffs? Well, for the same reason we discussed before is that we will get retaliatory tariffs. So that wineries that are ex- exporting the 20% of our wine production, you know, will okay, lose so, access to those markets. So the, the biggest fear is retaliation. Yes. And that's definitely going to happen Yeah, if the tariffs are imposed. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. You have a very interesting relationship between uh, Macron and Trump. So I'm not saying anything more than that. For, for people who want to know more about it, have you guys published? anything that I can send people to? I know you can just honestly right now, if you Google tariffs, the amount, wine tariffs, that is, the amount of material that's going to come up is just astonishing. It's it's what everybody is talking about in the industry right now. So I have to well, talk about it. Well, there's a number of behind the scenes work and we hope to, to publish something this month. But, so I can't, you know, discuss those until we do. Okay, stop. But there is a lot of behind the scenes work that Wine Institute is doing. Of course, we submitted comments to the United States Trade Representative and we have a coalition of other beverage alcohol producers to, to, to make our case to the, to the government officials. So, you know, everybody's working on it. So. Will we see you in Congress being beat up by... Uh... <laughs> Well, not me. We have we have some very competent people back there with our DC staff. Well, so let, us, just... let us know if they're ever going to be on, because I want to just see how they fight for the wine industry. Awesome. 
All right. Anybody that wants more information on the Wine Institute, what's the best place to send them? Well, the uh, organizational website is at www.wineinstitute.org. But if they want more consumer-focused information with recipes and wine regions, they should go to discovercaliforniawines.com. And that's where they can find everything from, well, the list of all the winery, California wineries and their amenities, where they're located, yes. their interactive map, and yes. show you where in the bits. Very, very, on. very good website. Okay, well, Gladys, it's so nice to have you on. Gladys Poriucci, she is the communications director for the Wine Institute. Check them, they got so much good stuff on there. I'm going to tell you about a plethora of cool stuff that I found on their website when we come back with Nancy Light from the Wine Institute, and we're going to talk about a lighter topic <laughs> with Nancy. Nancy Light. Okay, thanks, Gladys. Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones. And we return with Grape Encounters Radio, but this time we're going to talk about some lighter subjects, although one of them relates very closely to what we were just talking about the wine tariffs. I think this is a really, really positive subject and may have some issues related to the the tariffs, and we're going to find out more about it when we talk to Nancy Light. She is the VP of the Wine Institute, and Nancy, last time I talked to you, we had a little thing we were going to do to compare our experiences with a strange recipe. (laughs) We did, we did, yes. I'm going to take a guess. I'm guessing you didn't do it. You are correct. <laughs> not because of, not for lack of interest in trying red wine, hot chocolate, because I still think it's going to be delicious. I just didn't find that moment to do it. So it's on my list. I have all my ingredients so, ready to go, and, and I'll let you know. <laughs> so, so, so gospel truth. So just so everybody understands this, the Wine Institute put out this directory of wine cocktail recipes, and we talked all about them on the show a, a number of weeks ago. Is that thing still available, that book? Can people still get that? Oh, completely. Yep. Oh, good, it's good. on discovercaliforniawines.com. Yeah, or yeah. if you just Google California wine cocktails or wine cocktails, you, you should find it. You want to stay away from the hard stuff, this is a great way to go. And I'll tell you, I would put my wine margarita up against any tequila margarita any day. This is a throwdown. <laughs> yeah, someone has to challenge you. And we, we said we're going to feature it in our the March edition of the yes, wine-based you, cocktail. You, you've book, got so. to. Because people, people absolutely freak out when they taste it. They go, oh, my God, that is so good. And if I told you it only has like three or four ingredients, that's it. It's a really weird thing. The magic comes from the wine. But anyway, right. you guys are doing a workshop that I'm super interested in. And so I was invited uh, very kindly invited to come up there, and I think it's going to be a very interesting and very enlightening, and I can't wait. You want to talk about it? Because it's not now, now mind you, it's not a consumer event. I want to be clear about that, but I like the direction the Wine Institute is taking things with events like this. Yeah, so this is what you're talking about, our Export 2020, which is a a seminar that we're offering. It's going to be at Copia in Napa on February 18th. And as you said, it's for the wine trade, specifically for California wineries that are either active in exporting around the world or interested in learning more about that opportunity. 
And it's going to have a big global view of, you know, where we where California fits in the world landscape, a lot about wine trends globally, and then really more of a deep dive into some of the countries with our representatives from around the world. And again, understanding the nuances of different markets, where there are opportunities uh, for wine, which is, you know, it, it's a, you know, we export about 15, 20%, depending on whether you're looking at value or volume of California wines. It's a growing category. It's one that has its ups and downs, as I know you, you talked a bit about tariffs. You know, we face trade and non-tariff uh, and non-trade uh, tariff barriers around the world for our wines. Um, so it is, you know, it's definitely an area that can be challenging, but it's also a great opportunity for California wines. We have a lot of fans. I mean, obviously, an event like this is going to have to address the issue of tariffs, right? I mean, that's got yeah, to be a big part of it, We're definitely going to address that. Well, you know, but like that's kind of what I'm saying. You know, market development is a long-term prospect. So, you know, yes, there are times when exchange rates, for example, are more or less favorable, but really uh, it's about building a category. And for California, that is about, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success in markets at the very high end and also at the value end. But what we're really talking about now is filling in that middle of everything else, really, you know, and we know what we see in California in terms of all the great wines we have from regions around the state. We don't really even see them in New York sometimes. So, you know, let alone in some of these markets where we have a pretty, right. uh, you know, a smaller market share you know, versus what we have. So that it's really about exploring that opportunity. And I think, well, again, the issues we're facing are not unimportant. They are, as we see them, temporary and not something that are, you know, it's going to change our goal of growing California exports. So if I were to go to Germany, Italy, Spain, <laughs> France, and talk to sort of your moderate wine enthusiast, the person who buys really nice wines, reads about wine, but, you know, isn't a wine geek, but really loves wine. What do people in each of these countries think of California and California wines? Because California, well, does, California does get dissed by a lot of people. We've got to be honest. Yeah, well, that's certainly the history of it. But I think you have a couple things. First of all, it really depends on what country you're in. Some countries, like we're a very big, you know, we're a very open market. So we have a lot of imported wine here. Canada is the same. Uh, France is not a big import market. So you're probably not going to, you know, we don't have a lot of sales in France. We do have California wines in France for sure. But it's not a, you know, it's not a an importing market. So I think it will depend a lot on the market. Around the world, California itself has such an iconic image and lifestyle that people really, you know, aspire to. So that's a great advantage for us. And so we really try to connect California wines with what people know about the state in terms of beauty of the state, the diversity. Same with our cuisine. I and mean, we have fabulous, diverse ethnic cuisine in California. And I think that's changing. You know, I don't Sure, I think there's places where they still think of U.S. you know cuisine as hamburgers, but I think that's really changing. I hope it is anyway. That's my impression. We make some mighty good hamburgers these days. We do too. That's <laughs> so, right. Yeah. No. Now just in the hamburger. Well, we get that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so again, it depends on the market. So in some markets, like you know, in China, we're really working to connect. You love California. California makes wine. We make terrific wine. And of course, it, you know, it get, depends on what level of the consumer trade you're talking to. We do a lot of trade seminars. We really focus in those places on really addressing the trade. In other places like Canada, where we've been for a long time, and California wines are very popular, um, you know, there is consumer demand. Yeah, exactly. So we're addressing it through promotions. So, so you actually spend a lot of time in other countries talking up California wine. I mean, there are people that do that, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, so we manage, a, my colleague uh, who heads up our international marketing program, manages representatives around the world. We have agencies and individuals who are representing California wines. In, we have active programs in 
30 countries, and we have sales in over 150 countries around the world. So it's a very robust program. And, you know, our key markets, of course, the European Union is our largest single market. But of course, that's not one country. Canada is our largest single country market. And then after that, Hong Kong, Japan has been a long time market and very popular market. Now, there had been some issues with uh, getting our wines into Canada in recent years. Can you talk to that? Well, yeah, it's a little, it's kind of nuanced a little bit. I think it, it wasn't uh, getting our wines into Canada. We don't really have any trade issues with Canada. Some of the provinces, uh, particularly, I believe, Ontario was, um, or British Columbia, was opening specific stores to feature their wines. And we were part of a World Trade Organization action against that because that is, you know, restricted competition, which was successful. And so they had, did have to open that up to imported wines, not just California, of course. But so, so they, it would be the they, same they, as were these, you know, saying, yeah. Were these private stores or were these uh, no, they, some, were, they were government owned? Stores. Or, no, but there is, are no private stores. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And so, and yeah, so, so they, they, they were just going to sell their own wines and to heck with it. Nothing from any with place a certain else. Category of stores. Yes, exactly. It would be as if we, you know, we wouldn't have the same example because we don't accept, I guess, like it would be like saying Pennsylvania is just going to have, you know. U.S. wines in, in some of the stores. I'm kind of bummed, you know, that maybe you could put a good word in for me. I'm kind of bummed that our neighbors to the north, we don't see that much of their wine down here. And they make some pretty good wines. We should have start a foreign exchange program. <laughs> well, they do. You know, it's a, it, you know the wine world. It's, it takes time, right? And, and um, depending on, I, I think they, you know, they sell a lot of their wine in there in Canada. Um, you're right. They do have some great wines. And I think you know, it's a big, big wine world and a very competitive one. And I'm sure as they develop that market and develop their industry, we'll be seeing more of them. Those Canadian ice wines, so good. The, those, of course, yeah. So course, good. That, that, those are, that's a, you yeah. know, if people know Canadian wines, they probably know it for that. And by the way, you, right, can, you, exactly. can, you can make an ice wine martini. So you know, and you just take okay. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> you take me ideas. <laughs> no, it's and all it is is a little ice wine and a little vodka. That's it. Huh, okay. Thing. Well, that goes little little twist. Our, our wine base did we don't we didn't have any spirits, but that sounds good. Well, this is you know it's a free <laughs> it's a free country. So why don't we? Do, hey, I want to come back and talk to you for just a couple more minutes because I I, I want to talk food if you don't mind. Hey, I'm hungry. I'm okay. always ready to talk about food. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in just a second with Nancy Light. She's VP of the Wine Institute. She sometimes she gets the she gets the nasty jobs, and sometimes she gets the really good jobs. And uh, when she gets to work on recipes and food books and stuff like that, man, she's uh, um, I was going to say a, a pig, and you know what? But I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would have that been. That wouldn't be the most flattering. No. but I appreciate. The I, meant, I meant to say. <laughs> I meant to say, she, she's like a kid in a candy store. That's yeah, a kid that, in a candy store. We'll go with that. All right, we'll be back with more grape encounters right after this. Brought to you by our friends at Total Wine and More. I'm sure that you can find plenty of Canadian wines there. You can find anything there. We're talking about. Can you believe it? Eight thousand wines, Nancy. Eight thousand wines. Is that crazy? That's crazy. That's, that's a lot of wine. But anyway, we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. For more information on Total Wine, by the way, go to TotalWine.com. Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio.
with Grape Encounters Radio. It's our, I think it's our, yeah, it's our first new show of the year, and very excited about that. Always excited to have my guest Nancy Light on. She's talked to us about so many different things. I was saying when we went to break, Nancy, you sometimes you get the ugly stories, and sometimes you get the good stories, right? Uh, it's mostly good stories, but you're right. You're, there are other difficult ones. Yes. <laughs> It can be difficult. You guys are going through a lot right now at the tariffs, and the, but you got this seminar going on. I'm going to learn things that I – it's an area that I just need to know a lot more about. So I'm going to be coming down there. We're going to be doing some shows from there, Nancy. Perfect. Wonderful. And uh, by the way, say a little bit about the venue because it, that's a really cool, cool place. It is. Well, yeah, so actually, so Copia um, in, in Napa near the Oxbow – um, is a great, uh, they've got a restaurant, it's just a great event venue, and um, it's now part of the Culinary Institute as well. They've got a terrific, uh, as I said, restaurant there and, and test kitchens, and I think we're going to be exploring those as part of the lunch. But yeah, really wonderful event venue. And, oh, that sounds good. And, and spot in that. So we're, so we're going to eat well then? I think we will. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to you know, be a place like that and mess up. <laughs> you can't. Anyway, so I was just opening my emails a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. Yesterday, I can't remember, and there was a like a newsletter from the Wine Institute, and exactly. I I really want to confess that I almost did something I'm not allowed to do. I almost you have this recipe for crab tostadas, and I almost took the whole thing because I had a newsletter going out. I almost took the whole thing and pasted it in my newsletter, and I was even going to take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> but what I did do, by the way, is I steered people to your website to find that and other really cool recipes. I appreciate that. We really appreciate that. And there's some great ones for them, too. So this is, yeah, you're talking about our Discover California blog newsletter, which is you know all about wine, food, farms, and finds. But we really try to cover, obviously, a great recipe because, you know, all people, all of us that love wine, it's always wine and food. And so that's, we're going to lead with that. And um, I don't know, have you had a Dungeness Crab yet this season? I have not. Okay. Well, it's great. I, I had it on New Year's Eve, actually. But this is a great recipe that uh, kind of combines that with avocado. And she says, it's kind of like the best avocado toast, but it's really a tostada and just just looks great, doesn't it, with lime and um, little little Dungeness crab. And, uh, you know, having that avocado lets you stretch that crab meat a little bit, too. And it's on a, a potentially, you know, if you care about a gluten-free uh, tostada shell of any any size. Um, and it features avocados, which are also delicious this time of year, just starting at the beginning of there. The part of California where I am at, I mean, first of all, we make some astonishing white wines here that are perfect yeah. with crab. We've got the Dungeness crab right off the coast. And we have some of the best avocado groves in the world. Well, and you got it made. <laughs> up your alley. <laughs> they, they, they have this uh, event that goes on. It's, the, it's called the Margarita and Avocado Fest. Ooh. And it goes on just about 20 miles from where I'm at this summer. That's a, that's a fun thing to go to. But anyway, I was looking at the recipes that are posted there, and I was just like, wow. Like, everyone was more delicious looking than the other. And so I, I have to ask again, I, I know at least that the crab tostada comes from our friend Janet Fletcher, who wrote the One Country Table and did that that's in conjunction exactly right. with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And there's still some of those books around, though, but I know they were going fast last I checked. Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's available at bookstores, so. Uh, got a lot of got 50 great recipes and then we have actually Janet is also uh, we don't not have a signature but she develops the recipes for our Discover California blog as well so uh, yeah. just more great recipes from Janet so what, what are some of the things that are on there this month 
Well, we have also have recipes on our Discover California Wines website. So we do the, the blog is a monthly um, okay. recipe. So last month we had, that was kind of for the holidays, but also, you know, doing entertaining into the new year, deviled eggs. We've got a great, a great soup with um, butternut squash, um, uh, chips and the a, um, really delicious salsa tostada dish. Yeah. Chilaquiles the, is the one I was trying to. Chilaquiles. Isn't that, isn't that made with a cactus or something? No, it's it's not. Oh, I, no. I, it what, what sounds is it? like it is. That's the one where you've actually put kind of, and she recommends that you do kind of homemade tortillas, you know, homemade chips made from from your own tortillas. But um, but it's it's actually tortillas in with chicken that's been seasoned and then with avocado and it's kind of like a casserole. Oh, sounds it's good. Really delicious. I, I have not eaten yet today. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I know. That's what I said. This is yeah, not a good keep, time. It's keep, 430 keep, to be talking keep about. Keep talking yeah. about that. Okay. So anything, Food. anything that we should, uh, we should, we got to close here. Got to say goodbye. It's, uh, it's you know it's time, but I but I do just want to encourage people. You know, we talked quite a bit with Gladys about the tariffs, and you know, I'm, I'm not pushing you one way or the other, folks. But you know, I think as as a consumer, as a American, as a wine lover, you got to make up your mind and you know be educated about this stuff because there's a lot of moving parts on this one, and any any way you cut it, a lot of people affected. You know, and then no question about you know, it. And again, our perspective, as I know uh, we've shared, is that you know it's, this has nothing to do with wine. <laughs> Basically, the, the, the tariffs that we're talking about here, and we don't think wine should be used, you know, in these kind of disputes unless it involves wine. Well, you know, there was something that Mike Gergich said to me one time, and I, I don't think it's actually his statement because I've heard it elsewhere. And it's this: it's he says that wine brings people together, but water separates continents. So only mm-hmm. drink, so only drink wine. And <laughs> I said, okay. I think that's sort of related to a Benjamin Franklin quote that I. But 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 the but the but but the point I don't want to hear that. But the point of that is is it's something that Mike said to me one time was that if people just sit down with a bottle of wine together and work things out, it's a whole lot better than the way we normally do things. Do you ever notice how quick you can come to how quick you can come to an agreement if you just sit down with your adversary and open up a bottle of wine? They'll be happy. Yeah, that's it. So what's uh, what's the Benjamin Franklin thought that you had? I think it's similar to wine brings people together and oceans separate them. It's something I'd have to look it up. But oh, yeah, gosh. I think it Do is you think... something. I think he, he got that from there. Mike borrowed it from Ben Franklin, you think? I think he might have, yeah. You know what? That's a good person to borrow it from. All right. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Hey, listen, I've got to go, Nancy, and uh, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters this week. Thanks for all the great work that you and Gladys and Allison and all the people that we talked to over at the Wine Institute do over there. And I wish you just the happiest uh, 2020. And let's just go into the wine industry headstrong with 2020 vision. I'm right with you. Thanks so much. I right. really appreciate everything that you do as well, David. Uh, you're, you're very welcome. Okay, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters. We will see you. Be- no, we won't see you. We, we can't see you on radio. We can hear you, though. And no, we can't hear you either. Well, we can talk in your face. I want to remind you again to join me and Total Wine and more for Tour de Bordeaux. It's a unique wine experience taking place in Washington, D.C. on January 21st at the Fairmont Hotel, where you can mix and mingle with over 80 producers as you enjoy over 100 wines. They're bringing the best producers from all around the world to share their products and winemaking stories with you. You'll also have special access to the unveiling of the new 2017 Bordeaux Vintage. Join me and Total Wine and More on January 21st in Washington, D.C. A limited number of tickets are available for this unique event, so visit TotalWine.com forward slash Tour de Bordeaux 
for yours today. We'll see you back here next week and hopefully a few days after that in Washington, D.C. 